You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, perfectly pumped pub problem punchers. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 11, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen. And along with me are our club of classy and clever clue-clinging cluckers. Wow. Wow. Be careful there at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> would you be the mother clucker? <laughs> oh, I would be the mother mother clucker. Well done. We're, very, uh, we're a very clucky bunch. I am Colin. Dana. And I'm Chris. Woo! Hey! Really quickly, we have... Uh, I want to address our carryover question from last week and uh it was the riddle i wrote which now in retrospect i I figured i could have edited that a little bit um and here it is it is 19th century is the time you seek for the great battle was fought on sea two sides against one fleet versus fleet name me the ships of double identity i got actually a lot of answers uh Mm -hmm. for this one so it is my fault as the puzzle writer to not be clear but what I was looking for is uh, 19th century, there's the Battle of Trafalgar mm-hmm. was fought in uh, the early 1800s. And uh, it was fought on sea, one of the, the big decisive battles. And it was two sides against one. It was the French and the Spanish kind of ganged up together versus the British. Right. And name me the ship of double identity. So what I was looking for was... Um, there are two ships with the same name, each ship on both sides. One of them is Neptune. Mm. Neptune, actually, there was a, a French Neptune, there was a Spanish Neptuno, and there was a British Neptune. Huh. And uh, there was another pair, too, and it was uh, Achille. There was Achille on the French and Spanish side, and there was Achille on the British side. Huh. And the other answers I got um, include HMS Victory, which was also in Battle Trafalgar. Um, there are a lot of ships that were renamed or rechristened as other name hence there'd be a double identity but mm-hmm. you know what i i accepted all of the answers and and, and we, we select all the wizards that was, that was a was hard one that it was hard that was hard that was tricky i should have uh edited more a little bit but but the ultimate trivia nugget there is yeah so they uh multiple ships multiple same ships name. same name so they really were not very creative in ship naming back in the, the neptune so, yeah <laughs> the victory yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah a lot of them are based on a, a Greek gods or right. you know that kind of the, the the Roman lore. So a lot of repeated names. They need uh, Don Draper on the job. <laughs> yeah, they need a better marketing. The Dream Crusher. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah if yeah. I were to name my own fleets of ships, they would have very funny names. I'd name the my... wind beneath my wings, <laughs> <laughs> striking fear into the That's hearts right. of all of your naval enemies. <laughs> I will make you cry. <laughs> Congratulations to the winners. So let's jump into our general trivia segment. Pop quiz, hot shot. Everybody get your barnyard buzzers ready. I got my random questions here, and here we go. Blue Wedge. What nickname for the Santa Clara Valley was popularized in the 70s? Dana. Silicon Valley? Correct. Oh, Silicon yep. Valley. Yep. Yep. Nice. Santa Clara Valley. That's, I'm going to get in trouble for not getting that one. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Pink Wedge, pop culture. The father of what actress was the first Westerner ordained a Tibetan Buddhist monk? I'm going to guess Angelina Jolie. Incorrect. Hmm. Father of what actress? Um, I I 
Couldn't tell you. It is Uma Thurman. Ah. Her father, Robert, gave up his robes in order to devote his life to academia. Huh. Didn't know that. That's a good one. Uh, Yellow Wedge, what is both an amphibian and the first name of the leader of the 1994 Republican Revolution? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That would be Newt. Yes. Gingrich, recently back in the news again. Purple Wedge, the disapproving father of what artist referred to her marriage to Diego Rivera as an elephant and a dove? Um, uh, Frida Kahlo? Yes. Correct. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. And we have Green Wedge for science. If an animal is diurnal, what is it doing at midnight? It is sleeping. Correct. Yes. Diurnal animals are active during the day. Yes, ma'am. Diurnal versus nocturnal. nocturnal. And the last question, uh, Orange Wedge, what flavor was the original filling in Hostess Twinkies? Mm. Whoa. Banana. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> that is just pure huh. trivia. Like, I just know it because I know it. Well, it makes sense. No They're reason. yellow, yeah. right? You know? Yeah. You... <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it was huh. replaced by vanilla during a, a, a World War II banana shortage. Sure. Oh. Which sure. means they actually sure. used real bananas. Wow. And didn't want right. it to not be bananas. Right. They had to Yeah, go they away. had to. Yeah. Right? right. They had to replace it with synthetic. That's probably before <laughs> the golden age of, yeah, of synthetic flavors. Too. <laughs> yeah. The golden yeah. age of well, um, you know, I mean, yeah. these days you want banana flavor. I bet sure. you anything, there's no banana flavor. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm not gonna, you know, name any candies. Wow, I did not know that. Huh. Go. All right, we have our backer question here. This one is from uh, Alicia Brown from North Haven, Maine, and her question is: When ICP first formed, ICP did not stand for Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> what did it actually stand for? Um, it was for an uh, internet communication protocol. <laughs> <laughs> the more Silicon Valley jokes. <laughs> it, incorrect. Oh. Though I'd be very impressed. Ice cream party. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't even trying now. ICP stands for Inner City Posse. Mm. And uh, Elisha here is a huge juggalo and a nerd. Mm. So sweet. All right. Imparting All right. some juggalo knowledge. Are there any knowledge. casual juggalos? Uh, right. <laughs> it's right. like, oh, I am kind of a juggalo. <laughs> yeah, it's very binary. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. True. You are or it's you true. aren't. Right. true. Her favorite movie is Dirty Dancing, and she gets okay. Swayze crazy. Uh, I get Swayze crazy, too. I want to see the Juggalo version of that movie. That would be awesome. Oh, Get to yeah. it, Internet. <laughs> All right, everybody. Time for our topic of the week. And our topic of the week is not gross like last episode. We got some complaints about us being uh, oh, really? a little bit a little bit too, <laughs> too descriptive. So we're going with something a little bit more broad uh, this right. episode. And we're yep. talking about fashion. Yes, yes. Fashion, fashion, fashion. I thought, hello, new shoes, bye-bye and blues. Hey, I put some new shoes on and suddenly everything's right. I said, hey, I put some new shoes on and everybody's smiling. It's so and I want to start off asking you guys, I mean, we've done stupid things when we were younger, including <laughs> uh, wearing stupid things or uh, being obsessed about pretty silly fashion trends. What were some of your personal favorites? 
by favorite you mean <laughs> by favorite you mean least favorite in, re- <laughs> you mean, in retrospect. You mean embarrassing yes. things that yes. we put on our bodies. Pictures that you don't show people. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go first because the only thing I can possibly think of is I and I never ever ever cared about fashion at all. Anything I would just wear whatever. I just didn't care. There is, however, a photograph of me in fourth grade with long hair, with like shoulder length hair on an official school portrait on a laser background. You know how you get your portraits done with the lasers in the back? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, And I did that. (laughs) Wait, did you think it was cool? Yeah, hell yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, How how long was it? Oh, it was like shoulder length. Oh, so handsome. But on a fourth grader, it looked bad. It wasn't a mullet. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, Hanson style. if, If Hanson were fat. The personal, the personal fashion with the hair, yeah, I mean, is is different than the clothes. Like at least the clothes, it's it's easier to uh, rid yourself of the embarrassing stuff. I, I think for me, like the one that I would be most embarrassed if I saw photos of today would be thirteen, I guess around there was we would really do the thing where you uh, you fold over the bottom of your jeans and you roll it up. Is it is mm. it pegging? Is that what it is, or what do you call it? The jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were gonna be less gross this time, Colin. The thing, yeah, where you. Roll. It is called pegging. All right, Sorry. yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, so you roll up the bottom of the jeans, and you have like preferably the like the super high white top, you know, white high tops, you know, uh-huh. below them. And so we would have just these rolled up jeans, and they'd be like mid ankle. I wore them, you know, my friends wore them. It was what you did. That's so funny. We used to tuck our jeans, the bottom of our jeans, into our socks, and like you wear maybe three pairs of socks in different colors, and like <laughs> that sounds so little... uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I was unfortunately a victim of skater and uh, punk trends <laughs> and that included dyeing my hair very crazy colors and of course uh janko jeans and they're... You've, you've mentioned these before yes janko jeans they're they're like normal jeans but the legs are huge you can fit like a person <laughs> oh, yeah i once actually got into detention because my pants were too ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> they have a custom-made detention slip oh. pants comma too ridiculous <laughs> God, it's so embarrassing looking at pictures <laughs> And they're way now. bigger than your feet. Yeah, you know? like yeah. you can fit like two other people into those pant in those legs. Pants. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, yeah. we used to hide uh, we used to hide balls of booze. But that, I was going to ask know. if that's what you did because I know what kind of a kid you were. But when I was younger, and I know this was a fad in America and did seep uh, into Asia, the fad was hyper color t-shirts. Oh, Do you guys I remember, remember that? that? Oh, I totally yeah. remember was those. It, was yeah. it what were, no matter what direction you looked at them, like they changed... They, colors or they're they're mostly t-shirts yeah. they're, they're, the brand was genera yep. it's called yep. genera hypercolor yep. and basically it changes color based on body temperature warmth, based oh. on temperature do you remember oh. that well no <laughs> no i really? don't i remember these i really? totally remember these huh. yeah bad. i remember yeah in high school i remember they came out and it's yeah. like they're they're usually like pastel colors it was the 90s pastel was yeah great. They were, oh, it'd be like okay. pink and then you you would uh you know put your hand on it and the, the warmth oh, of your hand, yeah. you'd have a handprint and it would become a different color. And they, they were kind of splotchy, I remember. They weren't yeah. like a solid color. I don't know if it was something in the dye process. But I, what I remember about those is you weren't supposed to wash them, right? There was something about them. and like You, you, you can't you put them in the them. dryer. Oh, that's yeah. what it was. Sorry, sorry. You couldn't put them in okay. the dryer. Yeah, no, you, yeah, you could only so get a little bit. You could only wear it once and then throw it away. Because the heat would, would but destroy But people would put them in the dryer and then it would destroy them. Yeah. And then you would see these people with these like ruined hyper colors. They're like splotchy. And kind of weak color. It just kind of looked like they spilled some yogurt on it or something. Yeah, at it, that it, point. It, it looks like, or like washed out pen 
like stains or something. I actually read about how hypercolor t-shirt works. I mean, obviously we we know that it changes color based on temperature, but how do they do they dye the whole shirt into chemicals? Mm. Wouldn't that be dangerous? So it's actually really interesting. So the t-shirt that you see, the t-shirt color you see is the color of the shirt itself and the color of the dye. So the special dye, uh, thermochromic dyes, they're encapsulated in really, really, really tiny, tiny micro capsules. And that's woven into the fabric. Mm -hmm. And so when you see a, a regular hypercolor t-shirt, it's what you're seeing is the color of the dye and the color of the t-shirt. And so when temperature is applied to the dye, they become colorless. Mm. So the heated color uh, you see is actually the real color of the shirt. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, okay. It turns them off. Heat, heat deactivates the color. Yep, yep. So it's, it. it's oh, on the whole time. And they just were so ugly. I mean, <laughs> I, we, I think we just convinced... No, I didn't own one, but I think people convinced themselves that, well, it's fashionable and high-tech, therefore it must be <laughs> good-looking. I mean, kids, kids don't know from ugly, though. You know, they know what's yeah. popular and cool. Yep, you know? yep, yep. Oh, speaking of popular and cool, but ugly in retrospect, <laughs> like, <laughs> I had a um, knockoff cross color shirt. I, I don't know if you guys remember cross colors remember cross from colors. the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. It was like one sleeve would be red and the other sleeve would be yellow <laughs> oh, and maybe dear. the middle is green or something. It was part of this whole consciousness raising for black youth in fashion and right. like fubu came out afterwards but cross color was so cool it was on it was like afrocentric it was afrocentric yeah. they had logos like stop de-violence and <laughs> and, <laughs> and educate to elevate and it was i mean it's all positive and so expensive so i had a knockoff version of <laughs> <laughs> a, a knockoff cross yeah. color and it, like on the cover of tlc's first album they're all wearing cross color out oh. outfits and it was on um in living color and fresh prince of bel-air it was the coolest were they actually really expensive it was yeah i i talked to my friends about it my friends who also grew up with me and were, like none of them owned cross colors they're like my mom. They, so yeah. it's to inspire confidence in rich black children Right. It's, it's really for... It's like, it's okay. You're rich. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, talking about jeans uh, in terms of the embarrassing, my embarrassing fashion uh, that I wish I could erase. Um, I, did, you, uh, did you have acid wash jeans? I did have acid did wash jeans. Did you do jeans. it yourself? No, I never... I don't think I had the confidence to do action. <laughs> I, I wouldn't think I would know even how to do that, but... Bleach. I guess, but it just seems so so hard to control. What if I, it's all like white by the crotch area. Yeah, you know, <laughs> honestly, it was worth it to me to just pay the department store. They, but no, I did have acid wash jeans, and those were embarrassing enough. But imagine with the rolled cuffs at the bottom. Oh man, just got so cool, so cool. My older sister, uh, I remember when I was when I was really young, my older sister was all you know about acid wash jeans and she tried to do it herself oh, no. and it's basically you take a pair of jeans or whatever denim clothing a, a, a nice jacket perhaps <laughs> and you have bleach and you splatter bleach all around but the thing is i mean i don't think she kind of understood the chemical process of it bleach like eats away yeah at yeah. The fabric. yeah not just takes the color it yeah so eventually the sp the, the white cool splotches become holes because they're like eroding yeah yeah it totally weakens the fabric that was the fashion too though to have <laughs> them all that's true <laughs> that is um so you know i mean it, we all know obviously the father of uh, blue jeans is 
Levi Strauss. You know, certainly mm-hmm. everyone everyone recognizes him as, and you know, rightly so. So you know, I mean, I knew sort of bits and pieces of the story, but kind of just was looking a little bit more into sort of how he actually got into the business of making blue jeans, and it's it's pretty fascinating. So it's you know, like a lot of other things, he kind of got to start in in the gold rush. So you know, he was uh, an immigrant family, and they had a, a good store in New York City, and he sort of came out to San Francisco at the height of the gold rush. He brought the fabric out, his really high quality cotton denim, really a denim or a twill, to, for tents was the main reason that he brought the fabric out was for tent making, uh, for a lot of people just making encampments in the gold rush. Um, but he kind of found out eventually that he was selling a lot more of it made into pants and overalls and things like that. And that sort of became the direction that he went with it. So Much better than the frilly skirts that most yeah, gold yeah, Yes, <laughs> yes. But I, I tell you, the freedom of a denim skirt, there's yeah. nothing... <laughs> It's so airy and breezy. <laughs> Sorry, I guess it would be a kilt, you know. Well, panning for gold makes you hot. <laughs> <laughs> you got to squat. Yeah, um, there's a lot of squatting. You do have to squat. And in fact, so one of the one of the really interesting problems that, uh, you know, the early pants face is they would wear out really easily. Yeah. So Levi Strauss's partner, who he worked with, was a man named Jacob Davis. And he was out of Reno. And so he was the tailor who really kind of crafted a lot of the pants. And oh. he hit upon the idea the very first time of using metal reinforcements to oh. hold together the seams. And, you know, of course, Levi's today are well known for the little copper rivets. Yep. So he had the idea of using the metal reinforcements and he said to Levi Strauss basically like, you know, hey, I, I need a business partner. Help me. Let's develop this together. You've got the fabric. I buy a lot of my fabric from you. I've got this idea. Let's make it work. And so they did. So they, they together came up with the, the, the patent. They, they, they were issued a patent on the little copper rivets that hold together the seams on Levi's. Proceeded to make a fortune selling Levi's jeans. I feel bad for him because he didn't get his name on oh, I mean, onto he, the brand. He, well, they, they were on the patent, certainly. Oh, you know, okay. And he brought him in as a business partner. I think it was more like, I've got this idea. I need someone to help market it. You know, I don't think there was any ill will or anything like that. Oh, good. Um, yeah, so, you know, really. And then they made a killing selling them to gold miners and people just sort of booming in the area around San Francisco. Francisco. A lot of good, interesting trivia around uh, Levi's and, and blue jeans in particular. So you guys know the, the the classic little double arch on the back pockets of Levi's? Oh, yeah. Sort of the inverted arch. That is a name. It is the Arcuate design. A-R-C-U-A-T-E. Wow. And wow. it actually is trademark. Is it functional? It is. No, it's it's decorative, uh, but it is a registered trademark of mm. Levi's. They are the only ones legally allowed to put that design on the back pockets, and they, and they fiercely defend it as their registered trademark. How did they get the name? I think, you know, probably some uh, person in the marketing department of Levi's <laughs> Strauss came up with the Arcuate um, they were drunk and passed out clearly, under the McDonald's yeah. sign. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Clearly, it's based on the arc. Yeah, during uh, World War II, you know, we were talking about shortages and things in World War II. Uh, you know, the government really placed a lot of restrictions on things that you couldn't do, and anything that was not can't put bananas in these anything jeans. that was not a, <laughs> yeah. that was either not available or not essential to saving and conservation of re- raw resources. So the government said to Levi's, "This is all true." The government said to Levi's, "Well, the, the thread that you're using on the double arc design is decorative." It's not any part of the structure of the jeans. It's got to come off. You know, no using it for the duration of of the ban on it. I mean, this is the level that they were conserving resources. So during World War II, during this period, rather than risk losing their trademark, the arcs were painted on. 
Oh, so yeah. if you've got a pair of Levi's with painted on arcuate designs on the back pockets, you've got yourself a pretty rare item there from, wow. from the limited huh. period where they weren't made huh. with the actual sewn-in thread. Weren't they wow. wasting paint, though? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that paint in terms of cotton was probably something they could uh, get okay. their hands on a lot yes. easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, um, so the other thing, too, is that back in those days, they didn't, they, they didn't really call them jeans. You know, we call them jeans now, but that's really a relatively modern term. I mean, that's more of like a, a, a 20th century term. I mean, they would have called them denim pants or denim trousers or denim overalls. Do you guys know where the term denim comes from? This is a, this is a good pub trivia one. I believe it came from a city. Correct. But I forgot Correct. where. Correct. You're absolutely right. Is it so, the city of Nîmes or something? French? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So from Nîmes, France. So there, the the fabric that he used was uh, was was a, a very specific of Nîmes of type of serge. It was a very t- specific type of fabric called a serge. S e r g e. So it was known like the soda. As, like, <laughs> <laughs> it was known as serge de, de Nîmes. Huh. Serge from Nîmes, France. Okay, um, where did okay. then where did jeans come from? So jeans, and it, it, it's really interesting how these two names kind of converge together. So jeans uh, come from a specific type of fabric that was really traced back to uh, Genoa, Italy. And jeans come, the root is meaning of Genoa. We get it from the French word uh, genus, like fabric of Genoa. So this type of very heavy cotton cotton woven fabric was popular in Genoa for sales because it was so durable and ultimately uh, sort of Mm -hmm. evolved into being used for durable clothing as well. And so the type of clothes made from that fabric eventually adopted the name jeans. So man, when we say denim jeans, we're, we're referencing a city in France and then a city in Italy. Yeah, you're yeah. very worldly when you're talking about your blue jeans. Denim yeah. jeans. And wow. so then the the serge denim that was dyed indigo, you know, would frequently be used to, to make the kind of jeans, uh, the denim pants and denim overalls that we now associate with Levi's. I wonder why blue is such a predominant jean color. It's the cheapest dye. Oh, is it? It I was so, it, it yeah. was readily available. Yeah, I mean, even though oh. historically, you know, go way way back, it was yeah. really rare, but. Yeah, at the time they were producing these, it was readily available, and it, you know it was really dark and durable. It was just great for utilitarian clothes, which is what you know blue jeans really were until the fifties. I, I guess mean, you it, wouldn't want a light color when you're working. Yeah, it, it would yep. look dirty and, yep. and gross. Yep, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So so much. Yeah, worldly interesting history baked out in there. Wow. Um, On a simple pair of jeans. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. So as I say, I mean, it, you know, really up until the fifties, until you know James Dean and Rebel Without a Cause, it was you know they were utilitarian or working class or you know, work. They were workers' clothing. So this actually relates to a quiz I have prepared. All right. And this fashion quiz, it's it's a little bit different. I'm going to name the item of clothing, and you have to name me what pop culture reference made it popular. Ooh, okay. Hmm. All right, we'll try. So an example would be, you know, I would say uh, a pair of black and white checkered vans, Mm -hmm. and where it was made popular by... In a pop culture oh, reference uh, would be Fast Times at Richmond High. Correct. Okay. All right. I see what you're getting. At. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. All right. Ray Ban Wayfarer's sunglasses. Mm. CSI. <laughs> ah, I'm gonna say uh, risky business. Correct. Oh, risky oh, business. Oh, yeah. Tom Cruise as and Joel. Those those pair of sunglasses are officially called Wayfarers. Yeah, very very yeah. popular. I used to have a pair again in high school. I thought they were so cool. <laughs> they, they still uh-huh. are cool. Yeah. Okay, another Ray Ban question. Ray Ban aviator sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is it Top Gun? Correct. Yeah. Tom Cruise again with Top Gun. 
Ray-Ban just sends checks directly to Tom Cruise's <laughs> house. <laughs> this fashion item is from the 80s. Leg warmers. Uh, flash dance? Correct. Flash dance. <laughs> the little black dress. Oh. I know this, but I forgot it. <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's? Correct. Yes. Breakfast okay. at Tiffany's. All right. That was a little bit of a shot in the dark, but I can yeah. just, yeah, picture her. I'd, I'd heard this before, yeah. The black leather jacket. <laughs> uh, James Dean. Correct. Rebel, Rebel without, without a cause. Mm. Yeah. Wow, jeans and the black leather jacket. Yep. Man. Giorgio Armani. Oh. Uh, Miami Vice? Incorrect. Mm. It's uh, Richard Gere from American Gigolo. Uh, Giorgio Armani designed all of his clothes, and that made a very big statement. The whole like Italian menswear uh, designer kind of craze got big in the right, early right. '80s and, and so forth. Everybody I, wanted to look like a gigolo. <laughs> well, American gigolo. I also know. Yeah, yeah, made in America with the best gigolos on the planet. <laughs> we'll put our gigolos up against any gigolo anywhere yeah, in the world. We'll put our gigolos against your juggalos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have juggalo gigolos only in America. <laughs> okay, this is a really weird one. The fashion item is actually not wearing a fashion item and is not wearing an undershirt. Okay, so, so starting a trend of not wearing, wearing... undershirt okay. for uh, men. Uh, I'm not wearing one now, so yeah. <laughs> whatever it was, I must be following it. I, I, I don't. I, I'm gonna guess like some. I don't know, farm laborer movie or some, I don't know, I have no guess. No, so in uh, the 1934, it happened one night, Clark Gable, there was a scene where he took off his, his shirt shirt, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. he wasn't wearing an undershirt, and people freaked out, but in a good way, they're like, whoa, you don't have to wear an undershirt. <laughs> if Clark Gable can go without. Oh. Yeah, if I if he can show his chest, then my chest shouldn't be covered by an undershirt. Liberating my... Male chest, just like Clark Gable. <laughs> Millions of housewives at the moment, like, oh no, <laughs> no, or, honey, oh, honey, yes. honey, you're not Clark Gable. <laughs> Let them loose. I can and, see through your shirt. <laughs> and the actually the the sales undershirt sales actually plummeted because oh, of that wow. movie. Because all mm. these men were like, what? I don't have to wear a shirt if I don't want to. I'm an adult. That's really interesting. Just like Clark Gable. Just, yeah. <laughs> That's really interesting. And um, it actually, the, the, the sales actually didn't really recover until Rebel Without a Cause. Ah, okay. Because okay. James Dean yeah. sported his uh, wow. white undershirt. So wow. he's got the trifecta there. He's got the, the black shirt, jacket, yeah. the, the white undershirt, and, and blue it, jeans. Wow. Man. So that whole look. And yeah. So now you guys learned something. I did actually. So in doing research for this, interestingly enough, I, I started coming across like fashion trends because I don't I know nothing about fashion. So I'm like, <laughs> where am I going to start? So I started looking at like fashion trends that originated with specific people. And so like there were um, James Dean. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always James Dean. Um, one of the one of the people who actually started two things, uh, or you know, again when we say started being popularized or caused a run on uh, was was Farrah Fawcett, right? 1970 uh-huh. television star and and uh, model and fashion idol who a popularized the farah style haircut right remarkably feathered long blonde <laughs> look that so looks 70s. like she just rolled out of bed yeah very 70s but like when you start thinking about it, it's like wow that must be really difficult to mm-hmm. to deal with all those pieces and perfect like 
all in perfect place, right. but moving. <laughs> um, a symphony of hair. But also, <laughs> I had I had read that in fact she had brought back the one piece suit because of that that world famous poster of her. Oh, right, that, one piece that bathing red, suit, that red, red bathing, bathing suit. Right. Apparently, the world's best selling poster mm, ever. I think wow. I heard that. Really? Is, is I think that, I, yeah, is that I think iconic I shot that. Yeah, of yeah. her? Apparently, a very cold studio <laughs> uh, wearing a one piece bathing suit which actually sort of uh, caused the one-piece bathing suit to become more popular mm. um, than, than the bikini. But then also, we're looking at haircuts named after people. You know, if you wanted to get the Farrah haircut. There was also, in the 1990s, maybe you ladies remember this. The I, Rachel. This passed without notice oh, to I, me. I remember, the I remember the Rachel. Well, that's because you had a bob. Like, during that time. <laughs> the, you should yeah, have gone, I mean, gone for the Rachel. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll play dumb, though. What's, what's the Rachel? The crowd? Rachel, I don't even know how to describe it. It is a... It is a woman's uh, haircut it is a medium it is medium this length is, this is so entertaining um, I listen to you describe this, this. you guys can I'll try first and then sure. you guys can tell me how you would actually describe it okay. um, but it's almost like you're wearing a space helmet and, <laughs> and it's like the hair is all in it looks like um, a white woman wearing like very dainty dreadlocks because the hair is all kind of pieced out into these, into these pieces uh, and I'm going I'm like I'm making a space helmet around my head as I'm, as I'm telling this and there's like but there's but it's crazy like there's highlights and lowlights like there's like there's you know really highlighted areas towards the front and really dark towards the you know towards towards the back uh-huh. and and by rachel it's rachel from rachel friends, right? yes rachel, rachel the character from right, friends Jennifer when, they, when they started this show yeah. they gave her this haircut and the show became so popular that people all wanted to copy this haircut and get the rachel i cannot secretly, believe you've never heard no it. it was secretly a jennifer anderson trend. hated this haircut uh-huh. But she was stuck with it. Was stuck with it, but they finally changed it like later on in the show after a couple of seasons. But she really, yeah. really, really disliked it. That's and funny. of course, it becomes this huge thing. How would you describe it? It would be like a long, shaggy, layered bob. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's exactly <laughs> how I would describe it. Okay, you, not you, like you, spot dreadlocks. On. Spot on. <laughs> not not a space, not at, a space at, helmet of dainty if you, dreadlocks. If you, look at, if you look at pictures of it, it's like <laughs> no. it's, the hair is in like these longish pieces coming down. Like I don't want to say dreadlocks because clearly Jennifer Aniston no. washed her hair. I'm, I'm saying that that's sort of in these like individual bits. So just a heads up, if you're playing Draw Something with Chris <laughs> yeah. and you see a space helmet made of dainty dreadlocks, the answer is Rachel. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, boys. <laughs> I don't Describe know. Something else <laughs> Describe something else for us. It's a spin-off. I think we have a spin-off podcast here. Yeah, yeah. It's just Chris describing Chris things dis- for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 
Yeah, well, so it's funny that you mentioned swimsuit and Farrah Fawcett kind of triggering, you know, a move away from the two-piece. Wait, so if, if so she bought back the one-piece, mm-hmm. what was popular before, the the two-piece? The bikini. I, I did a little bit of digging into this, actually. Um, you know, I, I, I took the burden upon myself to look at photos of bikinis on oh, the internet. Oh, Colin, um, thank For you. the greater good. What for a the greater, hero. Yeah. I took it, one for the team, so you guys don't have to. But yeah, I mean, the bikini I did really... anyway. I knew you were doing it. <laughs> Didn't stop. <laughs> the bikini is, is, I guess, strictly speaking, a, a subset of the two-piece bathing suit family. So, so two-piece bathing suits have been around. This will be interesting to listen you describe uh, <laughs> female fashions as well. Luckily, it's pretty simple, right? It's just a bunch of triangles over. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a bunch of triangles. Yeah. Strategic, strategically arranged triangles. Yep, that's Pretend all you're an is. alien yeah. and then cover. That's all I thing. have, actually. <laughs> that's all I found. <laughs> I just looked at a bunch yeah, of yeah. 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 So, guys, as it turns out, the bikini this just is in. a bathing suit yeah. in two pieces. <laughs> Trivia. Um, but this one, this one really does have a really interesting history to it. Um, and I, I think, really, you know, like, it? I think, <laughs> but trivia, like, we probably, a lot of people know that the bikini, like, it took its name from Bikini Atoll. Uh, so Bikini Atoll was a, it's a, uh, an atoll is like a little coral ring island. Um, is it atoll or atoll? Uh, you know, I don't know. I always heard of atoll, but uh, yeah. I'm sure, uh, you I know, have no idea what it is. A-T-O-L-L. So it's essentially, uh, we're getting a little bit of geography here. So it's, it's like a coral island that contains a body of water, basically. It's like oh, okay. a, a ring out of coral with like a, you know. Like a swimming pool, like a natural. Yeah. Yeah, or like a lagoon pool. in the middle, right? So, so Bikini Atoll is is a group of these out out in the South Pacific. It's part of the Marshall Islands, but but the U.S. did um, a lot of atomic testing there. Um, oh, yes, and so they very publicly uh, detonated uh, two fission bombs there, and it was very public. It was the first atomic testing of any kind since Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. So it was it, it caught a lot of attention. And, and according and, to legend, the woman was standing in the glass <laughs> radius. Right, right. <laughs> Middle of it blasted off suit. all of her swimsuit so so except for the, the bottom triangles. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, so th- that is Good. the that and, she, is, and she died. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the swimsuit lives on. <laughs> yes, everybody else is yeah. very rich. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the namesake of the bikini. But uh, the, the the true story of how it was invented it, it gets even more interesting. So it, it is a French invention. Uh, it was designed, of course, but it was designed by Louis Rayard, who was a French engineer. That's right. Okay. I said engineer. He was a French automobile engineer by training. Oh. Uh, but his mother uh, apparently owned a, a, a fashion shop. The like story a, is getting weirder. A lingerie, a lingerie store and shoe store, you know, in, in Paris. Uh, so he was running, you know, his mother's lingerie store in, in the 40s. And he, he eventually got into a de- sort of a design competition with a, a rival designer. And they were competing to see who could make the smallest swimsuit possible. So, yeah, of course, two French men of course would be yeah. <laughs> um, but so they, you know the two piece wasn't new so they start, started with the two piece and just seeing who could make the smallest two and just piece subtracting basically. right subtracting fabric subtracting fabric so his rival was a man named Jacques Heim and his first his came first actually he came out with a super super skimpy two piece and he called it the Atom l'atome Rayard you know not to be outdone uh, shortly thereafter uh, came out with his design which he was I guess really the first one to come up with the idea of like the string bikini so it's like get rid of as much fabric as possible and literally triangles of cloth with strings connecting them so his was smaller and he named it the bikini because he debuted it just four days after these uh, atomic experiments in bikini 
can't hold. That is kind of dark. Weird. So some people have sort of wryly noted, well, you know, the bikini split the atom, the atom, the previous design. Mm. I, I think that's maybe a little too clever. But I think, you know, he was just grabbing something that was in the news and was sensational. I thought I had to do something with bombshells. No. Nope. Because nope. of dropping nope. the bombs on huh. bikini. No, nope. he just I, he just thought the name would really be grab people's attention. Uh, and it was kind of scandalous. Like at first he couldn't get models to wear it mm. because it was so skimpy. He had to hire a nude model, uh, a woman who is known for nude modeling to wear it at the first sort of fashion exposition in Paris to publicize it. So even though Times was first, Rayards was second and bikini at that point just became the the name for that type of swimsuit. Wow. But you know, he really he was a good marketer. He you know, he insisted like it's not a real bikini and these are his words. It's not a real bikini unless it could be pulled through a wedding ring. Oh yeah. Now I want to like just imagine the scenario. Like how how French is that? Again, it's like you're you're creating a scenario now where well, I've got to take off my wedding ring and you've got to take off your bikini to see if it's real. <laughs> oh my god. That is that's good. Brilliant. It's good, yeah. but very sleazy. It's very sleazy. Well, hey, it was the 40s. A lot of people actually have been asking us questions like, hey, guys, can you, like, document where you get your information from? And, and you know, like, where do you guys read all this stuff? And, and the answer really is everywhere and nowhere. Like, you know, we... Uh, Wikipedia. Well, you know... <laughs> Wikipedia is always a good starting place, but I always yeah. try to get, you know, multiple documented sources mm-hmm. for everything. Yeah. In this particular case, I came across one particular article that I wanted to talk about. I thought it was it was very germane to the discussion, very funnily written. It's called Six Popular Fashion Trends That Killed People. Uh, it's by Alice Hester Jones, and it, it's at cracked.com. Okay. It's, a, okay. it's a really very funny piece. You should go back and do it. And it's just, it's six crazy historical fashion trends. And one of the ones that I had not heard about was that in the 19th century, men would wear these very, very high collars. You've probably seen pictures of men wearing super, super starched collars. They're called, yeah. they're called bros, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she makes a joke about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, the super high collars. Super yeah. high collars. And they would come up your neck, basically. And uh, as the writer put it, these things were starched until they were almost bulletproof and jutted right up into your windpipe. What could go wrong? <laughs> in fact, they actually called these things... Uh, in uh, several European languages, they called it the Vater Mortar or Father Killer, because <laughs> like people would die. They somebody um, almost killed himself on this thing, almost guillotined on it when he tripped coming out of a streetcar because he <laughs> fell and the thing just went up into his neck Aww. because it's just like it's this very thin piece of cloth that's been starched, oh, yeah. so it Goodness. stands up and it's just like a it's like knife. a giant like paper a, cut. Yeah, um, <laughs> and also if you if you fell asleep while drunk, like if you were just a, like if you just oh, fell if you were just right. sitting up against a wall and fell asleep and you your head cut off the oxygen forward, flow to your... go up into your windpipe and cut off slowly cut off your oxygen yeah. and you would just die. You would wow. just well, maybe you'd throw up on it before that and like take out some of the starch. What would, <laughs> <laughs> that would um, save you? So, pro tip. Why did, why did people why did people wear these? Like what? Because it looked fashion. Good. Fashion. I mean, why? Yeah, did it's, that was the fashion. It's... It was the style. You wore this, you know, very yeah. elegant looking high collar around your neck. It made you look like an aristocrat. You look tough too. Yeah, like, you look very like, macho. Death come for me. I have blades <laughs> around my neck. There was also the the crinoline, which I always thought was a type of fabric because I don't know anything about fashion, <laughs> as we've now proven many many times on this podcast. And it was, but what the crinoline actually was was a metal hoop skirt worn oh, under yeah. a skirt. Mm. So you wear this metal 
cage, basically, mm-hmm. looking like a, a bell on your on your leg, like a bird cage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then you know the skirt would just sit on that, so you'd have this naturally very big billowy skirt mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. sort of perfectly bell shaped around you. But and it's huge because there's a huge metal cage, right? Right. I mean, it's yeah. like the image you have like the, the the classic Southern belle or the Victorian, yeah, exactly. right? The Victorian hoops or whatever. The, right. The, the problem, of course, is that you're basically wearing. Uh, a hang glider, um, <laughs> and that if you were st- if you if you let's say in, in this typical <laughs> scenario you're standing on the pier waving your handkerchief goodbye at a ship, <laughs> and suddenly a gust of wind picks you up and carries you out into sea <laughs> and dumps you in the water. Well, guess what? You're attached to a yeah. iron yes. cage yes. and you die. You're wearing tons of fabric too. Oh, yeah. Soaking wet. But yes, Alice Hester Jones, very, very funny article on uh Uncracked about killer fashion trends. Oh the things man. we do for fashion. Oh, speaking of like those big dresses, uh, the, that was the weird fashion for women then, or the the dangerous and kind of strange fashion for women, but men wore those big powdered wigs. Do you know what they're called? Do you know what the technical name oh. It's not powdered wig. Well, you could call it that, but there are two other names that both begin with P that are Mm. are fun words, actually. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) One is perukes. Perukes. How's that spelled? P-E-R-U-K-E-S. Oh, that's a good crossword or scrabble word. Perukes. Or periwig. Oh, I've heard periwig. I like, uh, it reminds me of okay. periwinkle. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so a periwig or a peruke is a powdered wig. They were in fashion for over a hundred years, and the, when they went out of fashion, it was because the English the English government started imposing a tax on it, kind of a high tax on it, and then people were like, oh, never mind. It's not it. worth it. It's not worth it. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. I don't mind if it kills me, but if it costs me more money, right. forget it. Yeah. Just for the powder for the wings. <laughs> All right, but, uh, well, I, I have a little quiz prepared here awesome. that I, I has nothing gruesome or gross in it at Yay! all. <laughs> so we'll, we'll switch it up here a little bit. Um, so the, uh, this is sort of a, a geography and world information kind of quiz. Ooh. Nothing too hard. There's no trick questions, but there are a couple that are tricky. Uh, if you start off in uh, downtown Detroit, Michigan, and you head due south, what's the first foreign country that you're going to hit? Chris. Mexico. Incorrect. <gasps> I think that was Dana. Guatemala? Incorrect. Oh. Karen? Cuba. N- incorrect. What is it? It is Canada. Wait. Canada oh, curves oh, underneath oh. that part of Michigan. Yeah. So if you start in downtown Detroit and head due south, you're going to hit Windsor, Ontario, in Canada. Fascinating. Oh, no. Directly across cool. the Detroit River. Yes. So I get it. all of our Detroit listeners, uh, I know you guys got that one. Oh, wow. what? That that's, is tricky. That's a fun one. Yeah. Death Valley here in California uh, has the lowest surface elevation in the continental U.S., uh, 282 feet below sur- uh, below sea level. What state has the highest point? What state has the hi- That was Karen. Yeah. Colorado. Incorrect. What? It's called the Mile High State. <laughs> Chris. Alaska. It is Alaska. Alaska. Oh, yes. Yes. yes, Mount McKinley yeah. has the uh, highest. But even if you didn't include Alaska, uh, it still wouldn't be Colorado. It would be California. Huh. California has the both the highest and the lowest points in the continental U.S. Huh. This landlocked South American country once had a coastline, but lost its coastline in 1904. What country is this? Lost it through political reasons sure. rather than natural disaster or something. Karen. Paraguay. No, not Paraguay. Chris. Uruguay. <laughs> it is not Uruguay. <sighs> it is Bolivia. Oh! 
but so the Boli- one in the middle, uh, Bolivia, right there on the uh, western coast of uh, South huh. America. Yeah, between uh, Chile and uh, Peru, right? So that little area of coast has been hotly contested over the years. What country? <laughs> oh. What country has the longest coastline in the world? Mm. This is a good pub quiz one. We may even have had this one before. You're absolutely right. What yeah. country has the longest coastline in the world? Um, Dana. Canada? It is Canada because of all all the little island oh. and coastlines. And if you look at Canada on the map, it's, it's such a convoluted coastline. Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah 120, over 125,000 mile long coastline, wow. uh, Canada. What is the smallest sovereign state in the world? Dana. Is it Vatican City? It is Vatican oh. City. Yes. Vatican City, the, the smallest state in terms of area, also the smallest population. Only only about 800 uh, permanent residents wow. in the Vatican. So what technically counts as a sovereign state? It's self-governing, self-regulating. It's not a property or a territory of any other country. Um, it's recognized, most importantly, it's recognized by other world nations. Well, what are some other ones? I mean, anything is a sovereign state. I mean, we would, we, you know, I mean, it's like Singapore would be like a city state or things Got like it. that. Yeah, I mean, so it is just tiny. It's it's point one seven square miles. <laughs> so just to put that in perspective, yeah. Central Park, Central Park is about seven and a half times bigger than Vatican. Wow. wow. Yeah, <laughs> it is tiny. What is the only country that does not have a rectangular national flag? Oh. So not a square oh or a rectangle. Oh, my God. It's... I didn't know that was even okay. Yes. But they... I guess if they're sovereign, they can make it whatever they want. That's right. Just to just to annoy the other countries. Yeah. I think Karen's working on it. I'm, I'm, Time I'm... is running out. Not a rectangle. Not, not a rectangle or a square. There oh, are some okay, countries okay, that okay. have so squares. squares. It's not squares rectangular. Squares, yes, right. So it's going to be like a, like a pennant, like a triangle. Yes, yes. Oh, wait. It's a country, you said? It is a country, yes. Oh. Um... Are a lot of mountains in this country? Tibet. Close. Oh, Nepal? Nepal. Nepal. Yes, Nepal. They have a double triangular flag. That's huh. right. The only country whose national flag is not rectangular. All right, uh, we'll close out here. We have a couple uh, time zone questions here. Oh, All right. I hate these. How many time zones are there in mainland China? Karen. Eight. Incorrect. Oh. Chris. Seven. Incorrect. There is one time zone in China. Oh! The entire country since 1949, the the Communist Party has standardized it. The entire country. I mean, think how efficient that is. Think how efficient that is. Quote, normally they would span about five time zones in terms of what we normally consider time zones, but they have one time zone for all of mainland China. So just imagine the difference Mm. in daylight there from one end to the other. Uh, Wow! That was a good question. Get up at noon, it's dark. Right, right. Right, right. Uh, close it out here. What country has the most time zones? What not, country? Not China. Not no. China. That's right. Um, is it the United States? It is not the United States. We're very close, though. Okay. Chris. Canada. It is not. <laughs> for, one, for a change, it is not Canada. Oh, man. Karen. Antarctica. It is not Antarctica. They actually don't count that as a, as a separate country. But Antarctica one, would have one. infinite time. Right. Oh, <laughs> this one really blew me away. Yeah. I mean, it is France. Huh. What? Because it includes things like dependent territories. Oh. Okay. So uh, things like French Polynesia and Martinique uh, and French yes. Guyana are wow. considered France. France. So that covers, so France actually has 12 time zones. Now, in, in the more traditional sense, even if you feel that's kind of a cheating answer, 
answer. Uh, Russia. That is. Russia oh. has Russia has the most <laughs> contiguous time zones. So and the, the U.S. has eleven if you count our territories as well. Oh, yeah. these wow. are good. Those are good. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. that's what I have. So a little geo knowledge. Quite a quiz. There. Yes. Good quiz. And we also, uh, it's almost time for us to go, but we have one more carryover challenge, courtesy of Chris Kohler, Mr. Fashion. Yes, Mr. Fashion, <laughs> absolutely. So here's the thing. Here is here is uh, here are three odd phrases. All right. Uh, that All I'm right. going to read to you. All right. The first is Coach Clone. Uh huh. The second is Ten Dior bags, never fun. Okay. I disagree. And the third, well, and the third is Ray unties LNA vest. Ray unties LNA vest. Ray, like the the name. The Ray. name Ray. Okay. A guy Ray untying Unties. a vest made by the fashion house LNA. Okay. Ray unties LNA vest. Uh, each of these odd phrases you have probably noticed contains the name of a popular fashion house. Yes. We have Coach Clone, Ten Dior bags, never fun, and Ray unties LNA vest. These phrases are also anagrams of the names of fashion designers. Separate fashion designers. Yes. They are three separate anagrams that are the names of three separate fashion designers. Name the three fashion designers. And that is your challenge for next week. Wow. Email us the three fashion designers to gjb.podcast at gmail.com. And we'll select a couple random winners from the the correct answer pile and we'll send you some swag mm. yeah cool swag 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 all right that's the end of our show thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys the listeners for listening hope you guys learned something interesting about fashion and also geography that was actually really really fascinating <laughs> and you can find us on uh, zoom marketplace on itunes and also on our website which is goodjobbrain.com and we'll see you next week bye Thanks, traffic jams tailgating pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.